gentlemen, welcome to the Bitcash She Can podcast. Hi, I'm Stuti, and I welcome you to another great episode of the Bitcash She Can podcast. Today, our guest is the distinguished Ira Single, who is a true trailblazer, an epitome of resilience, and a true beacon of courage for millions across the country. Welcome, Ira, to the Bitcash She Can studio. But I want to ask you, what is a day in the life of Ira like? Okay, as an IS officer, all our days are completely different. Uh, and you know, there is no typical day. Hmm. So some morning you can be in office at uh, 7 also and some morning you can be in office at 12 also because uh, you didn't have anything, uh, you know, you were on a field visit yeah. or something and yeah. uh, you, uh, you, I mean, It's it's a very varied day. Okay. Yeah, it does mostly end late, uh, but really you don't know when it's beginning. So on an average, how many hours do you? So um, you know, I'm currently posted in Arunachal. Yes. Where the sun rises earlier. Yes. So uh, our day ends a little earlier. Okay. But in Delhi, my day never uh, never ended before seven thirty eight. Okay, and weekends are working or weekends? Are uh, depends on where you're posted. Okay. So if you're in a field posting, almost all your weekends are constantly working. Um, what really happens is if you're on a field posting, you are twenty four seven on a duty, which includes a Sunday as well. Okay. Yes, you're officially on duty on a Sunday as well. But if you're not in a field posting, which basically means you're in a department posting, uh, okay. secretarial posting, yeah, then you don't actively have weekend workings, but you could have meetings and you can have. So, for example, a lot of times you schedule interviews for specific posts in your department. Hmm. Now, people who are coming to take those interviews for those posts, they have offices, so they can only spare time on weekends. So you yeah. will have yeah. all of that happening on the weekend. Okay. So um, you know, um, it uh, you can't really define it. Yes. And what people used to imagine that it's a nine to five sort of job, huh. it isn't. And you've really busted a lot of myths for citizens like me, who you know, from the outside, it's like, "Koi kam nahi karta." No. But no, you guys are very hardworking. Yes. Probably more hardworking than the corporate sector. <laughs> See, I'll tell you. Yeah. Um, I've been in the corporate and I've been here. Yes. And um, that ratio of uh, you know seventy uh, thirty exists everywhere. Hmm. Um, and it does with us as well. It does in the corporate as well. So yeah. that exists everywhere. But in government, um, if you don't do anything, then you will be shunted out into places where you are not meant to do anything. Yes. That's the punishment. Yeah. So not yeah. even a punishment. You become basically useless redundant. to the system. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. Right. You're redundant to the system. So the system sort of then sends you in a place where your that redundancy will huh. work. Huh. You know, if you're in a department where only two decisions happen in six months, then it's fine. Huh. So, uh, but um, actively you are, um, and generally for the IS uh, that rarely happens. Yeah, uh, because you know the government has spent so much money on our trainings, on our, yes. uh, you know, uh, really putting us in those places. Yeah. So then the government does expect you to, and generally, very few IS officers would be uh, that redundant. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. you epitomize uh, bravery and resilience and everything you've done in life. Thank you. But I want to know a little bit about your childhood. What mm-hmm. was your family life like? Were there any people in your ecosystem that sort of instilled this courage and bravery since you were very young? Uh, so you know, uh, this is something that I say in India, and I think that worked a lot in my favor. In India, you are respected for your talents much more than for your looks as a kid. 
Yes. Right? In the school, Absolutely the girl correct. who is most uh, liked is generally the one who gets the highest marks. Huh. Right? Correct. So that way, a person like me had uh, got that self-confidence and got that uh, social standing hmm. because I was uh, always one of the people who got higher marks in the class. Hmm. So, you know, that um, aspect of uh, being put down because of how you look didn't really happen that much. That's amazing. Too. Yeah. See, yeah. it does get beaten down if you're someone who's not as uh, good at studies and you're not pretty also and you're not good at sports or something, then yes. Yeah. It's a tough uh, schooling for you. Yes. So yeah. I was always the kid who had the most number of friends. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, and I was yeah. uh, pretty much one of the most popular kids in school constantly. Yeah. Um, it was actually a combination of how I looked and then with that, my talent. So it was, yes. you know, um, it gave me that. So I didn't ever have people who really pulled me down in that respect. Mm. Obviously, there will be... Meanies everywhere. Yeah, yeah. but then um, because I had so many people uh, boosting me up uh, in that respect, I didn't really need to worry about those people. Plus, um, my uh, family upbringing was such that we were never made to hide from who we were. Amazing. So, you know, um, yeah. this because I was always getting medical treatments. Hmm. Uh, right from birth, there were constant treatments happening all through my childhood. Okay. So I also knew that this is what I'm, uh, what my problems are, but that doesn't mean, uh, that doesn't define my life, and that doesn't need to stop me from from anything else. And my family actually set targets for us as kids oh, wow. based on our talents. So you know, yeah. we um, I was never given that option of underperforming just because there was uh, something that I could take as an excuse. So I was always told, this is your problem, but that doesn't mean you are not going to do other things. Yeah. So, you know, I was pushed into trying everything. And trust me, everything here really means everything. <laughs> I am the world's worst painter, but I have entered so many painting competitions. But love that. Yeah, yeah. my dad would force us into everything. Yeah. I mean, his point was, try. If, ah. you, if you're terrible, that's yeah. fine. But yeah. at least try. You can't yeah. say, uh, I'm terrible and not try. And I think we were also lucky we didn't, we had simpler childhood. Yes. Without, yes. Um, minus the social yes. media pressure. Yes. Yes. Um, and so. I honestly still think um, it's a terrible idea for any child under 18, 19, 20 to be on social media. Yeah. It is horrible. I don't yes. know why parents are letting their kids act actively use it. Because you're either being bullied or you are the bully. Yes, true. But I guess even parents at some point don't have control over it. It's, um, it's just... You do. You don't need to give your child... <laughs> yeah. You don't need to constantly give your child a smartphone. There That's are other true. phones, right? Yeah. yeah. What does your child need to message people about? Your child can use a phone which is just a calling, calling phone, yeah. right? Yeah. Why does the child need a smartphone? In COVID, we did need. But then you can use laptops for that. Yes. So True. I do believe that there is something that we can do about it. We are just uh, aping uh, what everybody the else West. is. Yeah. And uh, yeah. we don't realize that in their countries also, those things are not as common. See, how do we ape? We ape by TV, right? Hmm. Does anybody in India wear that much jewelry, that much <laughs> makeup and those sarees at home? No. <laughs> but that's what our TV shows. Yeah. So why do we assume that what their TV shows yeah. is what their is reality what's is? happening in the West. Yeah. Uh, very um, interesting point you brought yeah. about. Uh, but, you know, I want to talk to you that after school, you uh, went and studied engineering, then pursued an MBA, and you had a very comfortable job yeah. Yeah. from what I uh, Gather, read yeah. about you yeah. at Cadbury. Yeah. 
बट आपने वन फाइन डे आपने डिसाइड किया कि तुम खुद पेशेंट जैसी दिखती हो तुमसे कौन इलाज कराएगा which i now know is true because yeah. i would possibly not go to me as a doctor but then um so i, I come to you as a doctor thank you thank <laughs> you such you. a soothing voice <laughs> oh thank you i i wish i had heard that back then but for me i wanted a profession where i was making difference on the ground okay yeah, uh, yeah. i wanted to really be working on ground with the you know larger segments of society and i didn't want to be restricted to only one sector hmm so um I then uh, when I was in Cadbury I was working 20 hour days at one point and okay. I loved my job yeah I absolutely loved the company I mean who doesn't love a company that Cadbury. gives you free chocolates like room <laughs> full of chocolates like right dairy yeah. milk oh my god yeah and that time they had yeah. just launched Bonville the okay. whole range so uh, and you know um, if you work in the company you also get to be the tester dream job in the right? world right right <laughs> and we would get these consignments of chocolates from all over the world Yeah. Just to test out which one should be launched in India, and you could always beg the brand managers to try it out. Now, how did yeah. you leave that? Exactly right. <laughs> I know. So, um, what happens is that um, I was working that hard, and I realized that while I love my job and the company is super nice, after working so hard, I didn't have a single person in my life who said that because of you, our life is better, our day is better, our family is going to have a better future. my uh, you know my life is uh, impacted mm-hmm. in a positive way um, mm-hmm. in a in a meaningful true long term sense way by your work and i needed that satisfaction i didn't nice. care about the money i didn't care yeah. about the comfort for myself i just needed somewhere to be making a difference and um, that's what made me quit and get into civil services that's amazing that want to have an yeah. impact yeah. on the that world that was rather than chasing yeah. a pay package yeah. i wasn't doing i didn't want to work for myself i i mean you know for my glory i just yeah. simply wanted that my personal identity is defined by have i done something good out in the world yes and that bigger purpose always i truly believe leads to inherent happiness that yes. money cannot buy exactly i mean yeah. you do need a salary obviously of course. Yeah. but um i believe that um your existence should mean more Yes. Yeah. So that was I, my point. I I truly truly resonate with you on that. आपने पर फिर उसके बाद UPSC exam दिया and clear भी कर दिया. Hmm. But you had a very difficult battle. Yeah. And you literally had to fight for justice yeah. for four long years. Yeah. So if you can tell us, tell our audience about that struggle. As a kid with disabilities, you are used to the. world rejecting you based on your looks yes. okay you are used to that you are constantly being judged on how you look rather than how you uh, perform hmm. because most people would not give you that opportunity you know this whole noise about dni um, it started in the last 5 6 years before that india was not a country of dni yeah yeah nobody was talking about it nobody thought about it and corporates were and i don't blame them because we mm. were a nascent economy yes to grow you really needed 
as productive hands as possible on board. Yes. So I don't blame um, anybody. And now that we are getting into that settled, settled position of being richer, companies are opening up their ideologies as well, right? But um, as a uh, personal disability, you're constantly used to rejection. But here, um, this is coming from government. Now, government under the uh, constitution has a mandate to treat everybody as equal. The mm. government uh, under constitution and uh, article uh, 14, 16, all of those is meant to give everybody an equal platform. And here I was being rejected by those people rather than the corporate sector. It should have been the other way around. Yes. Right. The government the, that yes. should be protecting you, yes. actually uplifting people like yes. you. They were the ones who are discriminating. Yes. This is my disability. And the crazy bit here was that it wasn't that they were saying that you can't do the job. It was that we don't like your disability. So um, in government, there are two criteria. One is what is your disability and what are your abilities for each yes. job. So they have this list of these are the disabilities we'll take and these are the list of abilities we require. So for the list of abilities, I fit into almost all the jobs. Okay. Except for obviously police and all. Yeah. But those are not even open to people with disabilities. Yeah. And uh, for the list of disabilities, I was only eligible for the IAS and no other job in the country. Okay. Uh, and that actually went for teaching jobs, that went for, yeah. you know, clerical level jobs, that went across the country for all jobs. Okay. So, um, and there I found, so for me, um, I had quit my job and got into this uh, for either IS or IFS, nothing else. I knew, I just wanted those mm. because I wasn't coming here for a job like that. I really wanted that hands-on ground uh, making difference, yes. which I thought I would get an opportunity in this profile. In these two. Yeah. yeah. Not even in IFS so much, but then I love languages and I, uh, you know, I'm good at picking up languages and all. So I thought I can perform there as well and I can put points across well. But the other services, I didn't think I would get to make uh, really a difference like that. So, um, but, but I didn't get a rank good enough for the, uh, these. And while I was preparing for my second attempt is when I started getting calls from other candidates asking me something had happened, you know, do you know what happened to you? Hmm. And I didn't know something had happened to me. Oh, you didn't realize? No, the, I didn't know. discrimination till yes, other people yes, called you. Yes, I didn't even know something had happened. I didn't okay. know that there was uh, this thing happening. Yeah. Uh, so then I started, you know, if people call you and say, oh, do you know what happened to you? And you don't know something has happened. Yeah. Then you start finding out what has yes. happened. Right. Uh, so then I start finding out. And that, that's when I realized that um, this, uh, I had been rejected. This is my disability and not my abilities. Hmm. Uh, so all those people who had called me were also candidates to whom the same thing had happened. They had also been rejected on the basis of their disability. And uh, what I realized was that these are all people who come from poorer backgrounds. They don't have the wherewithal to fight the system, you know, because legal battles are expensive. Yes, they're in expensive. our country and they're, they're long drawn yes. out. So um, all of those people, see in India, disability is a factor of poverty most of the time. Yes, they it, don't get access to yes, the medical treatment yes, at the right yes. time. So it's a correlated thing mostly. Huh. Um, I was one of the few who was not in that correlation. Hmm. So I thought that I came here to make a difference. Maybe this is where I'm supposed to start. Amazing. So that's when I went to court. And my father is somebody, my parents uh, have been people who don't believe in unfair uh, hmm. treatment. Hmm. If I don't deserve something, don't give it. But don't uh, have a bias just at the outset. 
Yeah. Right? Because if I don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's uh, so that's when I decided to fight the co- uh, court case. And uh, the same thing happened to me in two further attempts. I again got rejected based on the disability. So um, then in my, uh, then the judgment came and then final attempt I got into the IAS. Yes. After four long years. Yes. And this is such a story of literally it epitomizes because she can and you never gave up but also a shout out to your parents because it's it's very important you know and especially in situations like this we do need that support it's not we cannot fight such battles on our own so the kind of damage your parents can do to you nobody else can yeah so you know um i think the luckiest people are those whose parents have been there for them and stand by them yeah. Yes. Um, Ira, I want to ask you, being a civil officer, of course, is a very powerful position to hold. And now you've been in the system for many years. Uh, but in your experience as a woman officer, I don't like to say women and men officer, but I, I'm asking yeah, yeah. you this very consciously because the services still predominantly are um, male dominated. Yes, yes. So what is your opinion do men and women officers are they held by different benchmarks um in some ways yes but um in most ways no okay Uh, so public perception is always pro male officers like if you say is officer the automatic image that comes in your mind is of a male officer yes right yeah and um socially um, so I'll give you a very silly uh, parameter of this. Mm. Uh, when the exam result comes out, all the males in that list get 500 proposals, marriage proposals from pe- people. When So it's a public list and yeah. it comes with your address. Yeah. So you get 5,000 proposals per male officer. Women officers get nothing, no proposals. Wow. Because our society does not believe in women in power. Nobody wants to be associated with women in power. Like um, IAS, Bahu, Matlab. No, no, no. We intimidate. Ho or she might, she might outshine our son. Obviously. Right? She will. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I don't necessarily believe that because I think um, uh, that whole mindset of uh, only if you're in the services are you somebody great is wrong. People, a lot of really I'm, smart people yeah, today don't course. even apply. They go into yeah. the corporate sector, yeah. they earn and they live very happy, uh, fulfilling yeah. lives, right? Yeah. So I don't believe that. But the power thing, that is Ki a problem. Power aegi. That's the what girl I in power, right? That, yeah. That power will outshine our son yes. wherever yes. he may be. More than that, you think, I don't know what It's that, you know, remember uh, all the matrimonial ads still say, homely girl. Uh, what does homely mean? <laughs> Exactly. Yes, yes. The girl that we can abuse and will not uh, say anything. Yeah. Officer to nahi na. Of course. That's her job to make sure that doesn't happen to everybody else. Yeah. She's not going to take it for herself. Yeah. But I'm not saying everybody's actively going to be abusing, but that's the mindset. Hmm. That's they've not even questioned themselves on that hmm. as to why do we want a homely or a girl who's not in power? Why <laughs> why are we assuming she will be against us and not yeah. with us? Yeah. But this is what happens. And I remember a very, very, I mean, the example of this is really there. A batchmate of mine had her father's name as her second name. Okay. So her first name was her name and the second name was her father's name and then her surname. 
she got tons and tons of proposals <laughs> from women because of her father's name as a middle name so they all assumed it's a male so she would get proposals of people wanting to marry her Malab marry their daughters so. pictures doesn't matter Haan. okay just it's just that okay. yeah you there in the list you are eligible yeah you could be a horrible human being that doesn't matter yeah you are in that list that's hmm. it. that's the that's only eligible it. criteria and even in the field when you go um you don't have uh, this thing that first male officer to get that posting but there are so many postings still where there have been no women officers there is that done consciously no i think um, i think it's a subconscious thing most of the times yeah women are put into softer sectors and you know uh, very few women are there in the actual hard sectors that they might not be able to do the field work yeah, not even that just that women you know are not meant for harder things sort of thing yeah that sort of comes in they're fragile huh. yeah so that psychological huh. barriers do exist somewhere hmm. um and um, it's not a actively thought about thing it's just that it's been happening and yeah you know it continues yeah so um, there are still a lot of posts where there have been no women okay but um, i think the numbers of women that were coming in was also very low back mm. then mm. now the numbers are increasing okay so um, uh, we're hoping that there wouldn't be such posts anymore mm. but then um, the system doesn't actively try to discriminate but that mm. social um, thing does carry over in a lot of places okay yeah yeah and i think um, public and even uh, you know political counterparts they're a little uh, they find it a little easier to deal with male officers hmm. so i love the women reservation bill yes because you know thank um, you for touching yeah, upon that I mean, that was I my love next that. question yeah <laughs> you read so, my mind you know because of that what will happen yeah. is where once the women come into the political setup the system then becomes a little more comfortable with women officers as well yes because the leadership is uh, coming from i mean from if women. my mla has to sit in my office for uh, and get some work done if she is a female she will prefer me also to be a female in that yeah. respect right yeah she'll also be easier as an mla or an mp or if not prefer counselor. she will be okay with you being a female she might actually prefer because uh, it'll okay. be easier for her to also put her problems yeah in that perspective also okay um but yeah. i wouldn't say prefer like that but i huh. think that conversation is a little easier the expectation set would be easier which i also then again if it's a male on the other end either end hmm. then you know that happens i'm not saying that actually happens but i think that psychological barriers that people have created on their end those will go away amazing yeah. yeah so you know long way to go but there's yeah. hope and, and the there, women there's been a lot of work done is uh absolutely one of the best things that's yeah. happened yeah. Uh, recently in our yeah. country and you know what that does is that allows people to imagine as their daughter in law as the powerful person in the family yeah so yeah. that uh, bahu and beti ka jo difference abhi india mein ho gaya hai pehle to um, it was bahu and beti were in the same category ha today you want good things for your beti but not for yeah. your bahu yeah yeah so that difference once the political thing happens it will change bahu ko bhi they will yes. want the bahu yes. to be the mp yes. and the mla yes. uh, yeah <laughs> lovely yes. i loved what you said about yeah. bahu and beti but aapko na dekh ke mujhe bahut 
She's a very sweet uh, person. Oh God, I wish that was, <laughs> that's what she's people... She's like an uh, elder sister. But I think you would be, you would have this fierce boss lady side to you also. Is that true? Uh, what are you like when you're... Uh, in my office? In your office. Till date, all my team members have wanted to continue working with me every single posting. Yes. So mm -hmm. I am um, a very easy boss in that respect. Mm -hmm. I will give you your space and I don't micromanage and I don't yell and scream in office. Um, but then I'm also very fair to everybody, mm -hmm. even in public. Um, so I don't uh, do wrong things and I don't expect wrong things. Correct. You know, um, yeah. so that I'm very clear on that uh, don't do anything wrong. Don't do anything illegal. Don't do anything criminal. You know, huh. those are not forgiven. Huh. But other than that, mistakes, yes, obviously. Yeah, we're humans. Yeah. Mistakes, mistakes, I would stand in front of my team and I will take the blame. Okay. I, yeah, yeah. I, I'm you lead very, from the front. I'm a very loyal person yeah. and I believe in loyalty. As a boss, if I'm not loyal to them, why will they be loyal to me? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, a lot of, I have had... Uh, very uh, those kind of bosses myself so i've been lucky like that i've only had one boss who was the opposite everything wrong she would blame on the team and everything right was her thing and but i've mostly last in her career in government no everybody will last everybody will last yeah everybody but, will last you can't okay. be thrown out that easily ah, right achha. and i've mostly had female bosses ah. so most of my bosses have been female barring two three i think okay so um, you know um, I've had a brilliant time. Those women were amazing that I've had to deal with. So I've only had one boss who was like that. Yeah. So I've gotten to learn from really good examples. And yeah. I've gotten, you know, um, I've gotten that from the system that uh, I was lucky and all my male, male bosses as well. Hmm. So I've had very lucky uh, this thing with bosses. So, um, and I believe in yeah. giving that back to the And system. even the rotten eggs, you learn what not to exactly. do. When you're exactly. in that position. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Um, amazing. But, I want to slightly on a personal level, because we spoke about this off camera. But like, we as women, we have question when will you get married? <laughs> so I come from a very, uh, yeah. a, uh, you know, modern and a practical family. Uh, my family doesn't believe in tick marks. Yeah, that is why I wanted to ask yeah, you. My Your family, views on marriage my, are so unique. Yeah, my family does not believe in tick marks. Yeah. And my family does not believe in uh, what will the world say. So what they've done is they've yeah. brought me up to take care of myself. And if my family was the type who thought, Ki, oh my God, what will the world say? I wouldn't be where I am. Because the world will always tell them, this child is a waste. What will do? Right? And I, my dad has been uh, told multiple times to make me have lower level aims for my life. You know? And it doesn't come from just being a girl with disability. It comes from also being just a girl. Yeah. You know, yeah. so lower your targets, lower your expectations and... I mean, if you achieve this much, it's fine. I was lucky my dad was not that type. My father is the type who will have expectations from you, which are just slightly above your performance uh, levels. So, you know, he will have just a little above expectations. So, if you're somebody who's only capable of getting 60, he would expect 65 from you. But if you're somebody who's capable of getting 90, then he will expect 95 from you. A little higher than what 
you are capable of so i was very lucky that that uh, didn't happen to me so marriage was something that if it happens great if it doesn't happen fine it's not something that you have to have to have to do or that defines how the rest of your life is going to be my family believed that you are meant for bigger things so you cannot be defined by uh, what someone else would find convenient for you yeah. you know what makes yeah. it easier for them to like themselves and feel important about themselves shouldn't define how my, how you performed in your life very nice so yeah. i was lucky i'm so glad that you and your family yeah. haven't been prey to the lokya kahenge yes. epidemic yes yes that in india may we choose our child's career based on lokya kahenge you know i mean we decide our child's parameters for our child's happiness based on lokya kahenge i don't know what these people are doing for you and but kaun se log hain pata nahi pata nahi pata nahi nahi pata ha but wo kuch to kahenge logo ka kaam hai kehna but nahi hame sunna hai na jo kaha bhi nahi hai hum wo bhi sun rahe hain very See, true and i get very offended when women's dreams are crushed or their um, you know whole identity is molded in such a fashion that they only become that girl who's able to just perform to the level that her in-laws would be comfortable at yeah yeah you know um, and what that does is that allows a lot of cycles of abuse to continue yes and in fact the times that those girls need to take stronger decisions they're not able to because they've never been taught to voice their opinion not not even voice not have an opinion yeah they or a voice they're just not allowed to think yeah. you know so that unfortunately as a country we are losing so much of our gdp because our women have been made to underperform yes if you think about it if my talent was to earn 100 rupees the world has made sure i earn 20 hmm because they can feel better about themselves yes. if i earn 20 yeah and the yes. son is earning 80 right so yeah. they feel better which means as a country i'm losing that 80 ka gdp hmm. absolutely so, very basic yeah. math yeah, yeah. um you know you are the brand ambassador for the department of disability so anybody tuning in who's differently abled or maybe has a loved one who is probably a child or a sibling uh nothing has stopped you yeah you've achieved everything you wanted to and beyond so what advice would you give to someone like that so um i'm going to bring you to a very basic scenario when you your child is born yeah and the doctor tells you that there is something wrong with your child it's a huge trauma hmm. it's a huge instant trauma that you weren't prepared for that you hadn't thought about hmm. and we forget how big a trauma it is because you know you've planned all your life as a perfect life who plans yeah. for this yeah. right yeah. and it's a trauma that suddenly happens to you and there is no system in our country which handholds you through it there is nobody telling you how to deal with it there is nobody yeah. helping you and you know it's not a one moment trauma it's an ongoing trauma lifelong trauma yeah. because you suddenly have to rearrange everything you ever thought about and that is the problem so yeah. i think the first thing is for the parents to recognize this trauma for themselves and then to seek help and uh, you know uh, start building it up hmm. and um, again if you as a parent don't believe in your child 
nobody else will it's your primary responsibility you know you are the one who has to make sure that you recognize that child's abilities because the world is not going to yes so, and instill in it yes and if you as a parent don't bring up the child's abilities the child will never be able to it's a very tough road to unlearn the things that you've been learning since childhood yes so if you focus on what is wrong with my child the child's life becomes about what is wrong with them yeah if you focus on what my child can do what is their ability what they are capable of then that is what your child's life becomes and that is what i want to tell parents do not treat your child as lesser than others mm. and have realistic expectations ask someone ask your doctors they will help you out with that amazing um but you truly are the champion um not just for differently abled people but a lot of marginalized sections of society you've done a lot of work with women and children and i want to touch upon two specific incidents that was so so empowering that uh, you were you had a role to play first being that you were the first uh, civil officer to recruit a transgender person so how did that happen were there any obstacles you faced within the system how did you manage to do that uh, so i was very lucky i had a boss who was also somebody who would let me do what i wanted and i have been very lucky in that i'll tell you how it all started um, so transgender segment is that one segment of the world where you when you are a part of regular society you don't deal with them at all so you never think mm. about them you never plan for them you know they're not people that you ever really actively consciously thought about their yes. problems or anything right so what happened was that when i got selected i was invited by this one ngo which works for them and um that's the first time that i went to an audience where when the audience put me a question about what they could uh, what was going wrong with their, them i didn't have an answer mostly i can tell you what you're doing wrong and what you can change about your life to make it better but that was the only time until date that's the only time i faced an audience where i couldn't tell them what they were doing wrong or what they could change about their lives because mm. whatever they were facing was purely a social problem yes it was how the world had treated them there was nothing they could do about it yeah. so what i decided was that um and i came back feeling very guilty about how we had behaved as a society so few days later the same group comes to me and says ma'am uh, can you give us space we want to set up a tailoring workshop and we want want to set up a beauty parlor and uh, you know we want to nice. earn like that yeah and i said no i will not give you that space because if you have that space and even if i promote only those professions for you everybody else has an option of going to a different tailor or to a different beauty parlor yeah which means that people can still ignore you your yeah. clients the world that you will deal with is already the world that is automatically comfortable with you yeah what, they won't come to you because there's so many other yeah, options yeah right yeah so i put those people on my own office reception and in a government office and i was an sdm back then in mm. an sdm office reception there is no alternative in the world if there is something that you need to get done from that sdm office you can only get it done from that sdm office yeah you can't go anywhere else it's a jurisdictional thing so your certificates your land papers your this that can only be done in your sdm office mm. so people will now not have an option to ignore you to yes. go to someone else secondly they will not have an um, you were going to beg uh, them to beg them earlier now they are coming to you for their work so the power equation has changed 
when I come to you for my work, I have to be respectful to you. Yes. Right? Primary responsibility is on me. If I'm whatever, good to you. Yeah. Whatever social stereotypes you may have, if you're entering the SDM's office, you have to respect the receptionist. Right. So yeah. if I have work from you, I will have to respect you. Yes. So Correct. when they were begging, they had to respect the other person and the other person didn't have to respect them. Now, all of those other people will have to respect them. So that was my idea that this is how we're going to make the change because till the time people are forced to think about you as human beings, they will not. Mm. And uh, the thing was that a lot of transgenders were so hesitant about applying for that. They didn't even apply. I had to literally chase them for weeks to get them to apply. I said, at mm. least apply. Let me see if any of you is eligible at least. Yeah. So they're so scared they wouldn't even try. Second thing that I uh, had to do was um, I made sure I got all my office staff who was going to deal with them day in and day out. Because see, um, it doesn't matter what the public says, but if office people are not treating you well, it's not going to go well. Hmm. So I got them all in a room and I told them, please ask the ugliest questions you can think of. Please ask whatever has been going on in your wow. brain. And please ask every dirty thought you've had, every disgusting thing you've th thought about and what you think these people are, just ask that. And a lot of uh, times I knew what they were thinking that I, they wouldn't ask in front of me. So I asked those uh, ugly questions, you know, because wow. I wanted all of these people to be very clear of who, you know, remove those misconceptions. That brain dump. Yes. Yeah. Because what happens most of the times, we don't ask the wrong, we're trying to be so socially correct that we don't ask the actual Things Questions that we, are, we want to ask. No, that uh, things, the misconceptions and the prejudices we have, we never air them so that they never get corrected. Especially in a uh, government office setting. Yeah, yeah. So I made them all ask those questions and I have to say, four years, five years down the line, those people are still there in that office. Wow. Yes. I commend you for this amazing, amazing change that you brought about. And also to actually help these people dream bigger. Yeah, a, That's amazing. Thank you. But in your career, I had a very amazing episode where you actually were pivotal in rescuing over 300 um, Child children, bonded. Yes, children bonded laborers. Yeah. So please tell us about that story. Uh, okay. Um, well, it's something that routinely SDMs have to do across the country. Um, what I normally do is I'm very open to people coming and telling me things. Okay. I'm very receptive to public telling me what is happening. Yeah. Most of the times, uh, officers tend to be a little, um, uh, keep a distance from people, uh, you know, from public and this. So I, I like that. Yeah. So most of the yeah. times that distance is there. Happens. As yeah. a citizen, I feel it. Yeah. But in my office, I allow entry to everybody. I would actually actively go out and meet people in the corridor mm. or at the entrance of my office also, just to make sure everybody had access to me and my staff yeah. wasn't you know, restricting. And I keep an ear out for what is happening outside so that if my staff has told anybody don't or anything, I, I can hear it. And then I go out and I'm like, I check on that. Mm. So um, the first few times that information came to me, I took action. So then all the people also got emboldened and I would get that information. Where was this exactly? Um, I was uh, SDM Alipur in North Delhi. Okay. Uh, so uh, we had a lot of uh, factory areas around that. Achha. We yeah. I had a lot of factory areas in my jurisdiction, industrial areas. Hmm. So there uh, these kids were being employed. 
and uh, we then uh, did multiple rescues so this mm. number is like a total number over the 10 12 months okay yeah. and then how were they rehabilitated so, uh, so there is a department which is meant a labor department okay. and uh, the child welfare department which does the rehabilitation what we do is we recover their wages we get them the correct uh, minimum wage at least uh, or mm. ask for the work that they were mm. performing we get those wages restored and uh, we had like crores of wages that we uh, got yeah yeah Oh because God. that many numbers right so yeah. i got uh, and those many years yeah so yeah. i got a lot of uh, wages restored to the kids and uh, yeah so that was the things so. beautiful yeah. so empowering so inspiring um one question you've been actively involved in the education sector so i want to ask you what reforms would you like to see in the education sector in india and especially pertaining to the girl child um i and i might be a minority in this but um, i think somewhere we've lost our moral compass as a society okay so i would want a system which focuses more on making you better human beings in the society rather than getting you more uh, marks and uh, you know higher uh, wages yes and um, so i truly think that is one thing i would want to change and i also believe that um, we might need to have um, you know a little bit of difference in terms of and this is slightly technical but you know like today when we teach science we're teaching everybody iit ke like science we're teaching everybody science like everybody has to give iit ka entrance so for example i'm very good at chemistry but i'm horrible at physics right so yeah. i can choose physics b and chemistry a yeah i would want those kind of differentiations to be available yeah. they don't need to be there for history or geography and all of yeah. those subjects but definitely for the sciences i would want those options to be available for kids i think ib mein hota hai even Haan, in schools exactly. in india yeah yeah so i would want that kind of thing to come in hmm. but uh, you talked about gender and i was working on this project at this uh, it's not my idea it's a thing that i borrowed from somewhere else okay um there is a project where they were, they did workshops with kids between the ages of i think 8 to 15 male uh, children in schools they did workshops with them and the gender violence reduced by 70% thank you for this really really or inspiring conversation but we're not ready to let you go okay. just yet okay. we want to have just some fun with you sure so this is a quick fun uh, rapid fire round okay. i'm going to shoot some questions and you have to answer them very quickly so my question number 1 to you is if you could have a superpower for a day what would it be and why um ability to fly because i love traveling okay and constantly booking airlines and tickets and visas and all of that is such a pain damn hectic yes so <laughs> i would just want to be able to move from one place to another without hassles and i mean i love that transportation uh, thing that they had in harry potter uh, potki you got so it so maybe a power like that where you can appear in places <laughs> so that i can see all the world on all my weekends okay uh, the free ones and um, so that would be my superpower amazing i love yeah. that uh if not a civil officer what would you choose to be um i was quite happy in my corporate career i mean if i didn't have that i would have wanted to be a doctor but that ship sailed long ago but then i loved my corporate career as well it was um, i got to work on really new innovative things and it was exciting in that sense so you would continue in the fmcg yeah, 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 space yeah yeah amazing what's a hidden talent of 
hobby of yours that not many people know about? Shouldn't it stay hidden? No. <sighs> I make pickles to relax. Pickles? Yes. Like I a make, chaad? Yes. I make like 50 kgs of pickle a year, almost. I want some of these. Come over. <laughs> Arunachal Pradesh, Anna Pradesh. No, I do that in Delhi. Arunachal, I fungus very easily. Okay. It's a very wet sort of place. So, I very easily fungus. So, I do that work in Delhi. I love that this rapid fire has also become like uh, learning fire, but good to know. Uh, if you could have dinner with any person, living or deceased, even a fictional character, yeah. who would it be and why? Um, I'm sort of an intellectual this thing, so maybe any authors, uh, Jane Austen or someone, or mm. uh, you know, uh, Leonardo da Vinci, scientists, maybe Einstein. Hmm. Or those people. I, I'm hoping they're good conversationalists. <laughs> At least, I mean, I like yeah. speaking to people from whom I can learn. But yeah. you know, uh, Dr. Kalam was somebody I would have really oh. wanted to meet. But Me that too. didn't happen. Yeah. Me too. So. What a person. What yeah. a human being. Yeah. Um, my last question for you. What's a book or a movie that never fails to make you laugh no matter how many times you read it or watch it? I love uh, PG Wodehouse. Mm. I love most of his stuff. Uh, yeah. I am one of those, uh, um, there is an author, Tom Holt, uh, mm. uh, and uh, there is a Discworld series. Okay. Uh, uh, so, you know, uh, those sort of books uh, I nice. go back to. Yeah. I will check out Tom Holt. <laughs> Please okay. do. Before we let you go, Ira, last question for you. Um, because she can, it started off literally as a hashtag. Now it's become a movement. I want to ask you, what does because she can mean to you? Um, to me, it means that the world does not get to set your limits. The world does not get to define you. The world does not get to tell you what you can do and what you can't do. There isn't anything that she can't do because that's what she believes she can. Love it. And you truly, truly epitomize Thank because you. she can. Thank you. And... Uh, just as a little token of our gratitude, oh. we have a little something for you, oh, that you. I would like to give you now. Thank you. 